Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Well, today we finish up our study of the book of James. What do you think of that? Let's bow in prayer and ask God to help us do it well. Heavenly Father, it's an amazing thing to have the Word of God in print. Many, many believers for long centuries did not have it like we have it, not put together in a book, not printed carefully, not sold openly, not kept personally. But Father, we do. And we've just concluded one very special book in that library of truth. So Father, help us now as you've helped us each week as we review a bit of what it means especially from the perspective of the earthly brother of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a mature follower of Christ. Make these words come to life. Touch our hearts and convince our spirits, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Way back on February the 13th of this year, we began this series of messages on the book of James, by reminding ourselves of this red-letter command from Jesus himself. We had just completed a lengthy study, a series of messages we called Red-Letter Living. And every week we looked at one of those teachings of Jesus Christ, the words that are frequently found printed in red ink in our Bibles. And this red-letter command stimulated our movement into the book of James. And here it is. Jesus said, be perfect. Wow. Now, we've spent a lot of months teaching ourselves how to be that. So how many perfected saints do we have here right now? Now, now you could say that by faith, right? God sees me as probably better than I see myself. But Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. People were kind of stunned by that comment. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, as we launched into the book of James, here's how we paraphrased James' motivation for writing this letter to his great Jerusalem church that had now been scattered through the Roman world due to the persecution of the Romans. We said James would say something like this. Let's get on with what Jesus commanded. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So let's get on with it. Let's start down that path of perfection. So James is saying to them, no matter where you fled to, no matter where you're living, no matter where you are when you read this letter, and no matter what circumstances you find yourself, you are called by Christ himself to grow up in your faith and become mature. 
You remember that's what the word perfect means, not sinlessly perfect, not without a blemish, not without a flaw, not stopping being human, but it means to be a finished product, a grown-up Christian, a mature Christian. It's an awesome task that we've been given. But by the grace of the Father strengthening us and the companionship of the Spirit encouraging us and the example of Jesus inspiring us, it can surely be done. Jesus believed so, or he wouldn't have said it. James, his earthly brother, believed so, or he wouldn't have used that very word in the letter that he wrote. And I absolutely believe so. And so we announced this series of messages way back in February called On to Perfection. And we're concluding that today. I'll tell you, what a series of life circumstances and life challenges James has identified for us in this little New Testament epistle. We've counted up 29 of them. This is the 30th message. We've discovered that each of those circumstances, each of those life situations, must be and will be handled successfully by the believer who is making progress on that perfection pathway. So as I said, today's the 30th message in the series. It's an attempt to wrap it up. And I've titled it, of course, we have to have handling in there somewhere. All the rest have. We're just calling this one Handling Perfection. Now, this is a chance you don't get very often. So when you get home, on your way home, when you talk to other people during the week, particularly people that are believers, and they say, so what did your pastor talk about Sunday? Just say, you know, he talked about us handling perfection. How to handle perfection, because you know, I'm pretty perfect. It's hard to handle that, and so he had to teach us how to handle it. Well, that's kind of what we're doing here. How do you handle the perfection that the Spirit of God is creating in us, the maturity? Uh, how, how does it play out? What does it look like? What can we conclude after all these weeks in James' little letter? What can we, who are still seeking to become more mature in Christ every single day, what can we take from this series of messages? Are there any broad, overarching kinds of insights or understandings from this book that can serve to keep us on the path and focused on the task? And that's what I want to do today. I would suggest this morning what I'm calling three spirit-given understandings. Big, broad understandings that grow out of our study of the book of James. And underneath each one of these understandings, we will find a number of James' particular uh, teachings to kind of fit. But if we could keep these three things in our mind, to say this is what a mature saint is like, this is what we're striving toward, a person who's like this, and as I share them today, wouldn't it be wonderful, and I trust it will be wonderful for many of us, that you'd say, there's a bit of that in me. There's a bit of that in me already. 
This is the way I look at life, the way we're talking. So here we go, spirit-given under, spirit understanding one. Perfection. And of course, by that we understand maturity. Perfection is revealed in the details of our life. Every moment, every action matters. I think James would absolutely agree with this statement I'm about to make, that perfection, that is maturity in Christ, is not found or revealed in the amount of spiritual or biblical truth that we know. Now, for some, that's a disappointment. They spend their whole life learning more, learning more, learning more, and making sure they know more than any other Christian that they encounter. So no matter what that person says, they can always add something to it, and they can be the more spiritual one, the mature one. See, and I really believe James would say to us that perfection, that is maturity in Christ, is not found, nor is it revealed by the amount of spiritual or biblical truth that we know. Perfection is not revealed by an occasional brilliant observation or biblical illustration. Perfection, maturity in Christ, is revealed by carrying out the day, everyday duties of life in a Christ-like way. That's where we spend most of our time, isn't it? In the everyday duties of life. Doing the things that everybody does. Doing the things that, that come, the, the situations, the challenges, the, the assignments that come to everybody. But perfection, maturity as a Christian, is seen in carrying out those everyday duties of life in a Christ-like way. Think of the routine things that James focused his attention on in this letter. I just mentioned three of them, but here we go. For instance, James focused his attention upon the way we interact with each other. Here's what he said in James chapter 1, verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Ugh. So kind of the definition of immaturity is someone who doesn't listen, someone who speaks up before they even know what's going on, and someone who can get angry at a drop of the hat and feel justified in doing so. Well, that would make anybody mad. James says, though, perfection, maturity in Christ, is shown by the way we interact with each other, and it's by being a person who is quick to listen, who is slow to speak, draw conclusions and answer back, and slow, of course, to become angry with another person. You see, James would be saying those who are mature in Christ simply treat people like they're real people. They honor people, they respect them, they care about what they say, and they respond to what they say thoughtfully and gently. Even when they disagree, they do not do so disagreeably. They interact with others 
like grown-ups, not like petulant children. So the way we interact with one another can kind of reveal the level of uh, maturity we have. Second thing James paid attention to, we just say here, the way we compensate those who serve us. I mean, this is not high theological stuff. James chapter 5, verse 4, he says, the wages that you have failed to pay your workmen cry out against you. You see, when we come to that accusation from James, we focus our attention upon the allure of ill-gotten gain. Remember when we talked about that? The allure of ill-gotten gain. That is the fleshly desire and the worldly practice of benefiting ourselves at someone else's expense. Mature believers don't do that. Mature believers would rather suffer loss than take advantage. Mature believers make sure that those who serve them are compensated fairly, even generously. Who would think, (laughs) who would think that a test of whether you're a mature Christian or not has something to do with how much tip you leave when you go out of the restaurant? Boy, there's a mature believer. There's an immature believer. Stiff that young lady who's been serving and they they bad-mouthed all the way through the evening. See, James says it's in, in some of these details of our life, the routine things, the everyday things, the things where we rub shoulders with unbelievers and we ought to be living in such a way that we show ourselves to be a unique kind of person, a Christ-like person. And you don't take advantage of people. Mature believers know that it's the spiritually grown-up thing to do to compensate those who serve you well. And of course, James famously focused his attention, third thing we'll mention, is the way we respond to widows and orphans. He just points that out. These are needy people within their world in two particular categories a a lady who has no husband who's lost a husband and in that day a woman just couldn't go out and get a job there wasn't any social security for her and so if she's lost a husband in that day and age somebody needed to be generous and kind and sympathetic toward her and how about the little child who has no family at all So James is saying there's opportunities all around you. Mature people look at these people and respond to them generously and graciously and and show the love of God to them. See, those are the easily forgotten ones, the generally overlooked ones. Their distress usually goes unnoticed by most, but not, not by those who are mature in Christ. Their attention, their heart is drawn to those who've suffered loss in some way, particularly these two categories, the widows among you, the orphans among you, the young people who really have no one looking after them or caring about them, and they're right in the area where you are. 
You see, Christ's heart of love and compassion and generosity is found in and demonstrated by those mature believers in distress-easing actions and attitudes. So James started, and most of the book you remember, is just kind of practical stuff. A real Christian acts like Jesus. And Jesus treats people like they're important and special. And those in need, he, he seeks to minister to, even to the point where he's willing to die for all of us who are needy of God's forgiveness. Those routine things. So as we go on through our lives and we'll be teaching something else starting next Sunday, and if you have an idea, just let me know. (laughs) I usually get the idea for the new sermon series the Friday before I preach the first message in it. So I am not panicking that I may not have a clue right now. I have a hint, I have a suggestion, but... As this series is being concluded, as we go on through our lives, I would like all of us to keep this understanding in our minds that the quality of our Christian life, the maturity level, you might say, of our Christian life is seen, is revealed in the way we go about our daily normal stuff. Interacting with people interacting with our fellow believers, interacting with our family members, interacting with human beings wherever we come across them. Mature Christians handle those interactions in a particular way, much like Jesus did. Immature Christians are really indistinguishable from just fallen human beings, sometimes even the nastiest of them. So let's keep that understanding in mind. Every detail, every moment in my life matters to the God I'm seeking to serve. Here's a second spirit-given understanding. We express it this way. Perfection is revealed by the stability of our lives. How many of you could just say, yeah. The stability of our lives. Nothing derails us. Nothing destroys us. You see, perfection, once again, maturity in Christ, is not revealed when life is steady. When things are going smoothly. You can't tell the mature from the immature when life is going great. Perfection is not revealed by the presence of a breakthrough moment or by a sizable nest egg. Perfection is not revealed by things the world considers successful and comfortable. Perfection, maturity, is revealed by the, now listen to this, is revealed by the unruffled way mature believers live their lives. There's stability in them. Think of the evidence that James identified over these last months. In presenting his case, James first identifies perseverance. Perseverance in the face of life's troubles. You know, that's the only time you need it. Say, things are going so well right now, I am determined to persevere all the way to the end. Nah, that's not perseverance. That's 
luck, maybe. <laughs> but perseverance in the face of life's troubles. This is what James says in chapter 1. He hit us with this, like the second message. Verses 3 and 4. He says, the testing of your faith. See, that means you're in a situation where you're asking yourself, am I going to stick with Christ or not? Am I going to continue to be true to this or not? Am I going to continue to present myself as a follower of Jesus or not? Something's come along that is testing just how firm I am in that. How unchangeable I will be. How much I would let go if it would be in my best interest to let it go. See, perfection... Perseverance, James says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance is an evidence that we're stable and we're mature. But perseverance comes through the troubles of life. It's the only time we need to persevere. James says, so the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And when perseverance finishes its work, you will be Mature and complete. Have you ever been going through something? I mean, you're hanging in there. You're going to believe. You're going to trust God. But you say, man, is it going to ever end? I hope it ends pretty quick. I was talking to somebody right before the service who's kind of in the midst of a medical thing that's going to be six weeks long. Okay? Six weeks long. And this person said, you know, and after this Thursday, I only have a month to go. (laughs) Usually you'd like to say, I only have a week to go, only have a day to go. Tomorrow it's done. See, when it's six weeks long, what you're saying is I'm only one third of the way through. And I got two thirds yet to go. And I haven't enjoyed the first third. (laughs) See, perseverance... When it finishes its work, that means you stuck with it to the end. You don't go back to the doctor. He says, so how'd the last six weeks go? First two were horrible, but then I quit. Last four weren't bad, but I'm no better than I was. Perseverance, when it finishes its work, you will be mature and complete. So we can say, when's God going to be done with this? When will I get to be mature? When will I have to, can I stop persevering? Well, we never know the answers to any of those things. The problem is, we persevere through one problem, and what happens? You get another one. (laughs) This maturity thing is what it's cracked up to be. What if I don't get mature until the day before I step into heaven? Here's the thing, you probably won't. So, but an evidence that there's stability in our life is is perseverance in the face of life's troubles. It's both encouraging and disconcerting to realize that perfection lies on the other side of perseverance. However, the willingness 
and the ability to endure times of trouble provide evidence that a mature believer is standing in your presence. When you see somebody doing that, when you see somebody just having the stability to to maintain, even though things are not great, things might be horrible, but they're maintaining. They're not giving up. They're not quitting. God's word says you're looking at a maturing, if not a fully matured individual. That's an evidence. Here's another evidence James presents. We just call it today resistance in the face of life's temptations. Aren't you glad you're not tempted anymore? Resistance in the face of life's temptations. James says, chapter 1, this, this started out pretty early in the letter 2, verse 13, when you are tempted. So he's just assuming every one of his readers will from time to time experience temptation. That means a leading, a desire to do a thing that you know is wrong, but somehow inside of you there's a, there's a, a possibility that you might do it. You're tempted. It's been phrased. A suggestion has come to your mind. I could do this. And you know it's wrong. But it's there. And some people would say, I don't know why God's testing me like this. He ought to know me better than this. He ought to know I'm going to give in. I'm going to do it again. So why is God doing this? James says in verse, chapter 1, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God didn't work that way. God doesn't bring temptation to just see if he can break us down. To see if we're strong enough. To test our faith. That isn't how temptation comes. James tells us something And mature believers know that something. They know that the temptation to sin begins within them. And that that is where the battle against temptation must both begin and end. Never do they say this is God's doing when they're tempted by some sinful thought or action. They recognize that resistance to temptation is their personal responsibility and they face it head on. That's what a mature believer does. Because James says, just in passing to remind you, James says we're tempted when the desires of our own fallen nature are stirred and get our attention and say, why not? I would like this. And that's a desire of the fallen human nature, which is always contrary to God's way and God's will. James says we got to know where temptation comes from. It's not God testing us. It's our own nature trying to overwhelm us. And a mature believer recognizes that and takes a stand against it and goes a different way, shuts that temptation off. Now, a third evidence of maturity, James identifies this. He says perspective. 
We had perseverance in the face of life's troubles, resistance in the face of life's temptations. Now, perspective in the face of presumptive assumptions. That sounds kind of impressive. James chapter 4, verse 15 says this, You ought to say, when you're thinking about anything that you might plan to do, anything in the future, anything you'd like to do, anything you're conceiving you might do, he says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. Presumption is a view of the future that says, I know it's going to happen. And therefore, I'm planning it into my schedule. I'm planning it into my program. I'm so confident this is going to work. I am positive this is the way things are going to go. So I'm jumping in and taking advantage of what I know is going to happen. And James says in that passage, what do you know? You, you don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Your life is like a mist. It can fade away in an instant. So you ought to say, as you make plans and try to be a reasonable person, if it's the Lord's will. Because there are factors at work here that are way beyond what I can control and what I desire and what I can try to make happen, let alone me telling you what's going to happen, if it's the Lord's will. So the sign of maturity is a certain perspective, a perspective that says God is overall. God controls everything and not my notions, not my notions. I am not to presume or assume that uh, things are going to go the way that you have just laid it out or that I have laid it out. So presuming on the future, acting as though the future is known and that plans can be aggressively and confidently and even boastfully made is actually an evidence of immaturity. Mature believers know their lives are in the Lord's hands and their lives demonstrate the stability that comes from that perspective. Well, here's now the third, third understanding I'd share with you. Spirit-given understanding three is this. Perfection is revealed through the consistency of our lives. Faithful even unto death. Perfection. That is, maturity in Christ is not revealed in short spurts or occasional times of dedication and commitment. Perfection is not revealed in those few moments between times of disillusionment and discouragement. Perfection is revealed by an ongoing lifestyle of deliberate decision to follow Christ and to keep in step with the Spirit, and to say, until my last breath. Even if some of the breaths between now and then are painful to take, until my last breath, I will follow Christ, and I will keep in step with his Spirit. Just think of the impact such a life could have. It's a life that demonstrates perfection in Christ each and every day, all the way to the last one. And so as James begins to itemize the kind of consistency that, that really carries an impact for Christ in the world, he first expressed such a consistent life as a life that values and follows the word of God. J 
James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word. How many of you are still listening? Well, at least we got that going for us. See, do not merely listen. The question is, is anybody listening out there? But he says, listening won't cut it, even if you are listening. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. See, for a mature believer, the Bible is such a believer's manual for life. And everybody around that person knows it. The mature believer is not forever looking for new and more relevant spiritual insights and perspectives. He finds eternal truth in the word of God and he judges everything in light of that word. When asked about any issue of life, his first thought and frequently his first statement is, what does the Bible say about it? What does the Bible say about it? The implied conclusion is, and whatever the Bible says, that settles it. Here's the second description of the consistent life by which a mature believer impacts his world. A mature believer lives a life that practices what it preaches. James chapter 2, verse 14, he says, What good is it if a man claims to have faith? That is, he talks a good game. Let you know he's a Christian, is proud he's a Christian, and talks a good game, says he has faith. What if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Nothing that looks like a Christian taking place in his life. See, a mature believer is never caught saying, do what I say, not what I do. A mature believer always considers himself to be the primary audience for any spiritual statement he makes. He follows his own exhortations. He follows his own explanations, even if no one else does. He really believes what he says. And he realizes that every spiritual truth is linked to some spiritual action And he finds satisfaction in taking those actions and living out those spiritual truths. Those around him notice and are positively impacted for Christ. Well, here's now a final thing. Final item of consistency that James itemizes. James, of course, sees the big picture. He recognizes that all mature believers do too. And so he points out, that a mature believer's consistency in life is demonstrated by a life that waits patiently and remains firm, stands firm. James 5.8, be patient and stand firm for the Lord's coming is near. You see, a mature believer is one who looks beyond the present moment and he sees the promise that lies ahead. The promise sustains him. Like the farmer who must patiently wait, James used that illustration, must wait for the coming of the harvest, so the mature believer just patiently waits for the coming of the Lord. Or for the Lord to wrap things up in some way that that then allows him to know 
He's fulfilled what the Lord's plan for him was. And he comes to the Lord through death rather than the Lord coming to him through the rapture. But as he waits, he doesn't forget what's coming. He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get discouraged. He stands firm and unwaveringly. He stands positively and expectantly. Perfection in Christ is seen in him as he patiently and steadfastly waits on the Lord. And so we've come to the end. Let me just close it up with this final thought. It says this, perfection, that is maturity in Christ, is not only possible. See, some people don't believe this is even possible. It is We're not talking about you or me becoming sinlessly perfect, never making a mistake. We're talking about you and me becoming mature, grown up in our faith, so that we even know how to respond to our mistakes in a way that is pleasing to God. We don't excuse them. We confess them. Perfection, maturity in Christ is not only possible, it is inevitable. Just say to yourself, If I trust Christ, I'm going to get there. If I do what it says here, for those who stay on the path, if I stay on the path, I'm going to get there. It's inevitable. This is God's plan for you and for me. So perfection is not only possible, it is inevitable for those who stay on the path laid out, the specific one laid out by our brother James. So treasure this little book. Come back to it from time to time. Realize it's consistent with all the other books that are in the Bible, but realize that James, as the earthly brother of Jesus Christ, James writing a book that's probably as Jewish as any New Testament book might be, that sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mount and sounds a lot like the book of Proverbs, which deals with the nitty-gritty of life, Remember, he's telling us the nitty-gritty is where Christians live their lives. And that's where we show just how much like Christ we are or we are not. Return to it. Review the things we've said. Just keep these three understandings from today kind of somewhere where you can pick them up from time to time and say, these are some big overviews of just what it means to be a mature Christian. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God and for this particular word given by one who who had a relationship through his life with Jesus Christ that was so special. Not completely unique because there were other siblings in Jesus' family, but, but James seems to be pulled out. James was one that Jesus particularly met with after his resurrection. James was the one that the new believers in the church at Jerusalem just kind of saw as having a, a unique word from God, a fullness of the Spirit. And Father, that word from God through James has come to us. May we treasure it. May we live by it. May we be instructed because of it and and gain strength through it as your Holy Spirit just keeps us walking 
on to perfection every day, on to maturity, on to completeness, that we might be an honor and a blessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask this in his name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.